Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American taxpayers and forgotten Americans to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is Daniel Horowitz, your one and only independent conservative host back in the house here on Tuesday, February 11th. And uh, look, we could talk about the New Hampshire primaries because we care so much about which socialist anarchist is going to win the primary or we can ensure that whichever socialist anarchist emerges from the clown show is confronted by a bold alternative, one rooted in our founding values, rugged individualism, free markets, sovereignty, security, traditional values, property rights, borders, strong civil society, the proper balance of the three branches of government, as well as the states and the feds, each in their respective roles. What matters to your neighborhoods, your communities? I choose the latter. I think as conservatives with platforms that influence the Republican Party and Republican voters, I think it is time better spent that we focus on what we can and should be doing in the here and now, and what we can and should be doing if Republicans wind up getting the trifecta of government back in their control after this November. One of my goals is to lay down red markers. So we don't kind of blur through these lines like, hey, I didn't know we were able to do this. Oh, we didn't have control. Oh, Nancy Pelosi was her fault. The district judge stopped me. No, no, no. I want to ensure that we don't repeat the mistakes of the first two years where we essentially did nothing. We had the same swampy Republicans in Congress where we squandered the opportunities we had with President Trump open to a lot of what we want to want to do. But on the other hand, he is also open to what the swamp wants to do if they are the only ones getting in his face, as we mentioned yesterday with our report on Trump's budget proposal. So my goal is to lay down those red markers. Here are the things that we need to push for at least come next year. Okay? So obviously, one of the things I've mentioned, and I'm going to be working on, I'm going to be working on, I'm going to be in D.C. tomorrow, try to work with a couple of members of Congress on this. What are some of the things we could do on the core issue of sovereignty and security? to ensure that at the very minimum, we are not harboring other countries' criminals on our soil. To finally end the presence of criminals from other countries on our soil. Is that too much to ask for? And the premise of this discussion is predicated on the following. There are 3.2 million aliens in this country that have already been targeted by ICE for removal and have not been removed yet and remain at large in our community. 2.1 million or so have pending or final pending um, uh, deportation orders. Others are still in the process, which takes forever. Almost everyone targeted by ICE is a 
criminal alien, in addition to being here illegally, has committed another crime. And almost always, not just um, identity theft, which is serious enough, almost all of them commit that. And yet they remain in the country. Is it too much to ask that if Republicans wind up taking back the House and Donald Trump is reelected, that we end that? I'm not even talking about kicking out all legal aliens. I'm not even talking about reducing legal immigration to its proper numbers and the right sort of legal immigrants that benefit America as a whole, as Trump promised, but has now walked that back. If, if this is something we can't accomplish, I don't know what it is. Now, obviously, a lot of that has to do with ending neo-Confederate sanctuary cities. Many of you saw yesterday, there was a headline that Attorney General William Barr announced massive sanctions on sanctuary cities. Now, I thought that meant, well, okay, well, what are the sanctions? So I clicked on the articles to see what those sanctions were. And I thought, well, were they cutting off various grant programs to these neo-Confederate jurisdictions? Were they bringing up charges on 1324 for harboring, concealing, uh, encouraging, inducing illegal immigration? Were they going to uh, you know, push for the president to enforce the Vienna Convention on Consular Relations and require all police to ascertain the country of citizenship of anyone arrested in order to notify the consular officials? Were they going to announce a program with Social Security working with the IRS and DHS to essentially end identity theft? No. No. They announced lawsuits, that they're suing the sanctuaries in court. Now, this is going to be a perspective you'll only hear here, and maybe it will dampen some of your spirits, but it's the truth. Going to the courts to solve the sanctuary problem, the immigration enforcement problem, is like going to the arsonist to be the firefighter. They are the ones that catalyzed delegitimizing immigration enforcement, even before the sanctuary cities did. To be fair, a lot of these sanctuaries will tell you that they have court orders telling them that it violates Fourth Amendment rights to detain these people for immigration holds. Every single week, another federal judge takes a hatchet to, to, to the INA, to IRA-IRA passed in 1996. And often, the, the, it's in contravention to Supreme Court rulings and it violates statutes that explicitly bar the courts from ruling on these cases, from entertaining these cases. And yet the other branches, both of them do nothing. No, no executive action, no impetus from Republicans to act in the Senate, and no promise that at least if they took over the House as well, they would pass legislation dealing with this. No, we're going to beg the courts. Not only is it wrong because it's raising the specter of judicial supremacy and particularly that the courts have the final say over immigration, which, which the courts themselves said for 200 years that they do not and cannot. But it's a stupid strategy anyway because you're not going to win. So they're suing New Jersey for not sharing information. I don't know why it's New Jersey. All the sanctuary states and cities aren't sharing information. But they're picking New Jersey. They're suing... One Washington state county for blocking ICE access to the airport for removals. And they're suing California for 
saying not only are, are we not going to provide state-constructed facilities for detention, but we're going to bar private contractors from working with you to build facilities or to house um, detainees uh, tar- targeted for removal in, in those uh, facilities. Now, folks, they already sued California for being a sanctuary on the so-called Trust Act, and they lost. Because these are the courts that are downright mandating sanctuary nation policies. So it's kind of bizarre that you think you could go to them. I mean, maybe it's better than doing nothing. I don't know. It's hard to tell. On the one hand, you're really legitimizing their power. But the notion that our founders would think that states could rebel against immigration law and somehow... The executive branch can't do anything. Congress is not going to do anything, even when Republicans have full control. But you're going to beg the courts? It's just bizarre. But again, I mean, that's the era we live in. Some of you might say perception's reality and the courts are viewed as the end all, so you can't blame Barr for going to them, and maybe it's better than nothing. But I want to demonstrate to you the problems we're having with the courts. Just this past weekend, or I think it was Friday, one federal judge nationwide injunction on Trump enforcing those who overstay student visas. The way I don't like the way you're calculating the time of the visa overstay. Now, ICE just came out with a report, report recently. We have 1.3 million foreign students from, from all over the world. It's unbelievable. And by the way, I, I said 360,000 from, from China. It's more like 420,000. So meanwhile, we're indicting people in China for all this espionage, and, and Pompeo is talking about the problems. Won't talk about clamping down on visas from there, but you had that judge. Okay? Then you have this clownish judge in Maryland, George Hazel, ruled on Friday that he banned immigration officials from arresting, detaining, and deporting immigrants who are seeking legal status based on their marriages to U.S. citizens. This is from Washington Times. U.S. District Judge George Hazel issued the ruling Friday in a case filed by six couples accusing immigration officials of luring families to marriage interviews in Baltimore only to detain the immigrant spouse for deportation. Hazel also ordered ICE to release from custody immigrants married to U.S. citizens detained before they can complete the first step of the process to obtain legal residency. Folks, under law, they're illegal. No matter how you got them, they have to be out of the country. And as I mentioned, the marriage loophole is a loophole that Billy Chemmer, the guy who smothered 22 or is accused of smothering 22 uh, seniors, at least 22 seniors, mainly females in their 80s and 90s, to death around the Dallas uh, Metroplex. He was an illegal alien who used this loophole. And again, this loophole is against statute. It's something DHS has been offering. And I've been calling on the Trump administration to clamp down. Guess what? Now you have the courts, as always, codifying the lack of enforcement into enforcement. The, The nullification of law is the law. Federal regulations allow U.S. citizens to try to legalize the status of spouses who have been living in the country illegally. But, but, but those regulations need to change. 
This is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Then you have the LA Times here. Federal judge deals major blow to ICE practice of asking local police to, de- de- to, de- to detain people. Again, they're saying, how dare you guys violate federal law, not honor detainers, and not communicate and share information as required by 8 U.S.C. 1373. I'm going to file a lawsuit against you. Well, I have news for you. The courts are actually telling them they're not allowed to do it. You're going to these same judges. And by the way, there's one thing if you go to Texas or something, but Texas is not a sanctuary. So they have to go to where the sanctuaries are. But where the sanctuaries are is where you have the most liberal federal judges. So I'm not sure what they're, what they're trying to do here. But anyway, a federal judge in L.A. this week issued his final judgment in a long-running immigration case upending the way ICE uses local police to detain people it suspects of being in the country illegally. Meaning they're cutting to the core of even, forget about it, the sanctuaries holding them, they're basically saying the entire premise of ICE detainers, the way they're doing it, is invalid. The judgment filed Wednesday by U.S. District Judge Andre Durote formalized a ruling he made in September that included a permanent injunction barring ICE from using error-prone databases when issuing so-called detainers, which are requests made to police agencies to keep people who have been arrested in custody for up to two days beyond the time they would otherwise be held. The earlier ruling also blocked ICE from issuing such requests to state and local law enforcement in states where there isn't an explicit statute authorizing police to arrest someone. So they did it outside of California. This ruling, which applied to ICE activity in all but a few states, appeared to have enormous implications for how the government targets people for deportation. However, attorneys for the Department of Justice, the civil rights group, Groups that brought the case disagreed over whether injunction went to effect immediately and gave, gave ICE no indication it had changed its practices. But this week's judgment erased any ambiguity. Under the judgment, ICE has three months to adopt and implement any policies, that practices, trainings, and systems changes necessary to ensure consistent and effective compliance. I mean, look at this legislation. They could just legislate. Folks, They just nullified ICE detainers in almost all 50 states. I mean, they didn't nullify it because they don't have such power to do it. And and ICE should continue doing what they're doing. But what I'm saying is the courts are are nullifying enforcement. You know what's amazing? There's something that always bothers me. What happens is on a scale from 1 to 10, let's say liberals do radical things. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Conservative media will focus on level 10 because it's the, you know, most sensational thing. Oh, look at what they want to do. Look at how radical it is. Something by a couple of very fringe members of Congress that introduce a bill that will never get passed anyway, and they focus on it. Oh, look at what the Democrats want to do. But then they ignore level 7, 8, and 9 that are actually being implemented. This is what drives me nuts. So everyone, uh, because of Tucker Carlson's report last week, is focusing on this bill by Ilan Omer to basically abolish ICE and abolish immigration enforcement. But I got news for you. Ilan Omer is one member of Congress that doesn't have any power, and this bill is not going anywhere, and it would never be um, passed because the American people would rebel. But you know what? They don't rebel against these stealth rulings that they don't even know about where there's no... Um, elections to get rid of these judges and yet a single judge could just say hey you know 200 years of case law out the door out the freaking door I mean it's just it's just unbelievable 
It truly, truly is unbelievable. I don't know what to say anymore. I don't know what to tell you guys. But that's the truth. Don't go to the courts. For goodness sakes, don't go to the courts. Man, that's the worst thing you can do. It's the absolute worst thing you could do is to go is to go to the courts. I just don't get it. It makes no sense whatsoever to beg the very people harming us. James Erdell, one of the authors of Article 3, that's the judiciary, founding member of the Supreme Court under George Washington, 1799, he said, Any alien coming to this country must or ought to know that this being an independent nation, it has all the rights concerning the removal of aliens which belong by the law of nations to any other, that while he remains in the country in the character of an alien, he can claim no other privilege that such as an alien is entitled to, and consequently, whatever risk he may incur in that capacity is incurred voluntarily with the hope that in due time, by his unexceptionable conduct, he may become a citizen of the United States. As Clarence Thomas wrote in a dissent recently, Sessions de Maya, according to the minority address of the Virginia legislature, anonymously drafted by John Marshall, John Marshall, the man to whom we trace all judicial supremacy, erroneously in my view, quote, the right of remaining in our country is vested in no alien. He enters and remains by the courtesy of the sovereign power, and the courtesy may at pleasure be withdrawn without judicial process. Without judicial process. And these are people legally admitted to the country. Here we have a law saying you you, you can't enter. We, they, they enter illegally. And just like, hey, you know, if they say they're marrying an American, you can't touch them. If they, uh, you know, I, I don't like the way you're grabbing them. You can't have ICE detainers. They're, they're, they're unconstitutional. Every day this stuff happens. If you want to know why we have millions of people in this country that have already been targeted, meaning they're, they're really bad, they're not just here illegally, and they still remain, that's why. We, every single deportation of illegal immigrants, much less legal criminal aliens, is litigated to death, and we lose. And then they have class action suits. ICE can't do this, they can't do that, they can't do this, they can't do that. And rather than the administration working with Republicans in Congress to deal with this, and I've been yelping about this for years when they had control of the House, and promising to do it when they take over, if they take over next year, they're going to the courts to sue the sanctuaries? I'm not understanding what they expect to get. I mean, now now the sanctuaries can point to say, look, I mean, the process you're using is faulty, a judge just said. I just don't get it. But again, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. But you know what? It gets worse than that. Not only, not only are judges preventing removals of criminal aliens already in the country, they're now demanding entry of people that never entered the country and giving them standing to sue from overseas. So Trump v. Hawaii, I mean, forget about that. The administration is basically letting everyone in so much for the travel ban because of the lawsuits. And they actually just won in a recent case 
demanding disclosure from USCIS of all sorts of process information, like as if USCIS is the criminal and, and Trump v. Hawaii, the Supreme Court opinion, never happened. And no one enforces this stuff. So we talked about yesterday, Afghanistan, how we, we fight over there so we could bring them here and then claim so they don't fight us here, but then we bring them here. We feel guilty about the wars and then there's an entitlement to bring in hundreds of thousands of people from these countries that are unvetted. Here's from the Military Times. I mentioned this yesterday. For thousands of Afghan and Iraqi nationals who served as interpreters with the U.S. military, visa applications to gain permanent legal residence in the United States have languished in legal limbo for years. Now there may be help on the way in the form of a court ruling. And that's a step long overdue, says Hadir Alambagi. It's like they're entitled to it. We're strangers in our own country. Like many Iraqi and Afghan interpreters, Albanki, now living in Florida, risked his life helping Americans. He served as an interpreter for U.S. forces in Iraq, where he was shot, stabbed four times, and had a 25,000 bounty on his head. And basically, the judge gave class certification to a bunch of Iraqi nationals and, and Afghani nationals. So you have to give them green cards. I mean, folks, folks. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Our laws and constitution are being illegitimately raped every day. And meanwhile, Mitch McConnell's like, we're winning back the court. Oh, you know, my motto is leave no vacancy un you know, unturned or you know, unfilled or something. That that's what he said today. And everyone now thinks we won the course and it's a joke. No, we didn't. They still have hundreds of judges they can go to and do anything they want. To this day, Trump is renewing TPS status for so many people from Somalia and El Salvador and all sorts of people based on a court ruling that violates federal law that says that they're not allowed to hear appeals of denial of TPS. And, and the executive branch has an obligation to enforce statute not just on the merits, but but literally saying that the court can't hear the case, or like, no. They listen to whatever they do. I don't, I don't know what more to say, and now they're begging the courts? Jeez. As I said, the U.S. District Court of Northern California in 1996, of all courts, the very court where all this mischief is coming out of, said in 1996 that the exclusion of aliens is a fundamental act of sovereignty. The right to do so stems not alone from legislative power, but is inherent in the executive power to control the foreign affairs of the nation. Unbelievable. Matthew, Matthews v. Diaz, 1976. Decisions in these matters, meaning immigration, may implicate our relations with foreign powers. These decisions are frequently of a character more appropriate to either the legislature or the executive than the judiciary. Kleinstadt v. Mandel, 1972. This is the case that every Supreme Court opinion on immigration mentions. In accord with ancient principles of international law of nation states, the power to exclude aliens is inherent in sovereignty necessary for maintaining normal international relations and defending the country against foreign encroachments and dangers, a power to be exercised exclusively by the political branches of government. What am I supposed to tell you guys? We just don't enforce our own laws. 
So again, this goes on and on and on and on. They have already abolished ICE. What do you think the presence of millions of criminal aliens who then go on and commit other crimes and are still not removed because of the judicial proceedings they never were entitled to? What do you think that is? That is abolishing ICE. That is abolishing ICE. Um, you know, Landon V. Plencia, 1982. An alien seeking initial admission to the United States requests a privilege and has no constitutional rights regarding his application. I, I, I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't know what to tell you guys. Republicans refuse to fight this universal injunction issue. Refused. But anyway, I'm going to push for a bill to end the presence of criminal aliens in America once and for all. First of all, it's going to clarify that courts have zero jurisdiction under any aspect of this. But also, one of the things we need to do is apply expedited removal to all criminal aliens. That's the only way to clear the backlog. Not, oh, let's just fund more immigration judges. That's nonsense. We do need to fund more ICE officers. That is true, no matter what. But my idea is, is, as I've mentioned, as I mentioned before, expedited removal. Under current law, anyone caught in this country illegally who cannot prove to the satisfaction of the ICE official that he continuously resided here for two consecutive years, he is out immediately. There is no appeal before a Justice Department administrative judge, much less a federal judge, unless he has a claim that he has a green card or is a citizen. Done. You're out. Now, Trump promised to finally implement that. We never did. That was a problem. That's why we have this backlog, because then they're here more than two years, and you can't apply it even if you want. And guess what? The same dirtbag judges are saying you can't do it, even though the Supreme Court every year talks about, in various cases, um, an expedited removal. Of course, the courts have no jurisdiction over. And they just do it. We're like, okay. So we'll get a favorable ruling. Who knows, a year or two years from now, when it's the administration is almost over and there's no time, and they'll come back with war lawsuits and war injunctions. And they'll follow it. But um, anyway, when it comes to this, my idea is to apply expedited removal with no cap, meaning no two-year cap for criminal aliens. Here would be the bill I would write. If ICE determines that you have been arrested for a crime, okay, if you have been arrested locally for a crime, and you are here illegally. You can you do not possess a green card. You get expedited removal. You are out without any review, any immigration judge process, any Article 3 officious meddling in the process, even if you were here for 10, 15 years. Forever. I think we should all agree that because again, <coughs> again constitutionally, constitutionally. Every illegal alien, I mean, even if you didn't commit another criminal act, 
you should be out immediately. Now, statute, we don't have to, but under statute, we accorded them some sort of administrative uh, judicial process uh, if they're here for more than two years, if they could prove, by the way, they've been here for more than two years to the satisfaction of an ICE officer. But we don't have to accord that to anyone. So certainly for criminal aliens, and that's the thing, not for convictions, because this is the game. It's impossible to get a conviction in America on anything. That's a separate thing. And then also they're playing games of not convicting them so they don't get deported. So this is how you get them. See, they, they don't know who's who. Police go and arrest someone. Boom, we got you. You just arrested someone. You're out. Now, what's the other side to do? Say, Daniel, there's no crime. Uh, uh, you know... How dare you do it? How dare we deport criminal aliens, really? And you know the beauty about this bill that I want to do on criminal aliens? So the other side's like, you don't understand these people. They, they're the best people in the world. They commit no crimes. They commit much less crime than Americans. Well, first of all, they commit much more crime than Americans. But if that were true, hey, great, join my bill. Barely anyone will get deported under this, right? So few illegals commit crime, so, you know, you shouldn't mind a simple bill to ensure that the ones who do are removed. Sad reality is they commit a hell of a lot of crime. Could you imagine? Imagine this. According to Bureau of Justice Statistics, recidivism is a huge problem. Within 10 years, 75% of criminals reoffend. So when you're harboring other countries' criminals that we need that that we that don't have to be here, shouldn't be here, we can get out tomorrow. Remember, those are the people that are going to be committing more and more and more crimes. Several million of them remain in this country. That means that there are going to be millions of Americans victimized needlessly because we don't follow immigration law, because we don't follow sovereignty and the social compact of governance by the consent of the governed. So don't give me this crap of, oh, I'm going to go to the courts. I mean, that is really weak sauce. I'm, I'm sorry. It, it, it's also counterintuitive. The courts are beating beating up ICE. Well, now you're going to beg them to help you enforce it? They're saying you're not allowed to enforce it. I have an article out today on how the amalgamation of jailbreak, decriminalization of um, drugs in places like California and sanctuaries are creating the meth epidemic there, which is creating, which is creating homelessness. A lot of people are forgetting that. It's a big part of it. All being fueled by it. It's from Fox 11. The meth addiction epidemic gripping the homeless community on the streets of LA is being fueled by Mexico's Jalisco New Generation Cartel and is being enabled by California's Prop 47. The DEA said in an explosive interview with Fox 11, um, this is Bill Bodner, the special agent in charge of the DEA's LA office. CJNG, probably the most prolific cartel in Mexico right now, as far as perpetrating violence and trafficking the drugs, is a huge influence on those of us in California. They're pushing the drugs and they're coming into the community here. They're responsible for part of the homelessness. Um, he talked about how the, in many respects they're worse than even Sinaloa. And um, most troublesome to Bonner is the amount of CJNG drugs finding their way to L.A., where the cartel has an extensive network. Ahem. 
network. It's not unusual for Bonner to seize 100, 200, 300, 400 pounds of meth, one location. Bonner says LA street gangs then act as intermediaries intermediaries with the cartel, breaking up the meth and putting it out to the street dealers. Folks, almost all those dealers, all those people are illegal aliens. Sanctuaries are the drug crisis, which is not a pain medication crisis because, again, the biggest crisis in 20 of the states, including California, more so than even heroin, which is an illicit drug, not a prescription, um, is, is, is meth, which is not even an opioid, illicit or legal. Meth is a psychostimulant, which is the opposite. So you can't tell me, oh, well, the, the pain medication gets them into it and then they go on meth. You wouldn't do that because you want a depressant. It, it does the exact opposite. There's nothing, no, no pain patients like, man, I can't get my pain meds. I'm going to go get some meth or cocaine. Cocaine also is a growing problem. Meth more among whites, cocaine more among blacks. Um, but those are the two fastest growing drug problems we have. Both of those are psychostimulants. They talk about the results being devastating. Again, this is the uh, this is the perfect convergence of open borders, breakdown of interior enforcement, jailbreak on the domestic criminal side, pro-drug stuff, homelessness, gangs, cartels. I mean, it all ties together, and we've been talking about that the last couple of years. Can you imagine how much less of this we would have if we end criminal aliens? Because again, so many of the criminal aliens that we're talking about, they're arrested for drugs. That's the big thing. And unlike Americans, where even when we're strong on it, they're not going to serve more than a year, and then they're going to be out. These guys should be removed from the country. And then if we had the military at the border, they wouldn't be able to get back in. And that's a whole other part of it. It's, again, the symbiotic relationship between border enforcement and interior enforcement. So anyway, this is our goal, to set down a red line, a bright red line, that this, at a minimum, is what Republicans will do if they take over Congress. And I, ju- I just want to point out, just again, real briefly, because there's a lot of this garbage from this loser libertarian outlet that Bernie Sanders and all the left is now using that illegal aliens commit such little crime. What planet do you live on? There were 360 murders in all of New York City and nine surrounding counties that ICE, that ICE's New York City office operates in. 360 murders total. In one year, ICE lodged detainers that had 200 homicide charges. Now, again, a good number of them are could be legal immigrants that are committed a deportable offense. But again, remember, they only issue detainers on LPRs on the back end of a conviction. So most of these would have been front end. Now, some of them could have been in other states. They could have been from crimes committed before. They could have been from murders committed in, in Mexico or elsewhere. And that does happen. So it's not like, I'm not going to tell you Illegal aliens commit a majority of the murder in the area. It's likely a number less, but it's inconceivable to think it's not more than their share of the population. Think about this for a minute. Think about this. There's a lot of different ways to skin this cat. Maybe we'll do a whole show on this one time, but I just want to read to you just this this point here. Federation for Immigration Reform did a study 
on SCAP data, suggesting that illegal aliens commit much more crime than citizens and lawful immigrants. How do we know this? SCAP is a program whereby the federal government reimburses state and county jails and prisons for um, housing you know, Ill- illegal aliens. Okay, the cost of illegal aliens. That was the idea that, look, you know, you have illegal aliens here. Federal government's responsible to get rid of them. and They're, you know, committing crimes and we have to hold them. It's called the State Criminal Alien Assistance Program, SCAP. Now, um, so, so state entities apply to ICE for those reimbursements. Now, what you could do is you look at the rate at which states seek reimbursement, and that will provide a good snapshot into the number of illegal aliens in that state criminal justice system. Now, you know, the DOJ and Bureau of Justice Assistance, they compile that data. Now, what's interesting is, so all these people are like, I I love it. See, money talks, BS walks. They're like, the legals are awesome. We're a sanctuary. We're going to protect you beautiful people. And we're like, what do you mean? You're protecting criminals. No, they don't commit crime. And then they're like, hey, um, could you uh, reimburse us for all the crime they committed? It's unbelievable. This is the way you got catch them. So FAIR did a, did a study on this. And they looked into a lot of these states. They're not all blue states. Some of them were red states. But Arizona, Arizona California, Florida, Nevada, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Texas, and Washington. So a lot of the big heavy hitters, Washington, New York, New Jersey, California, um, Oregon, big sanctuary cities. And what they found, because a lot of the states don't have full data. That was the problem. They they don't cooperate. So these were the states that they were able to find data. And what they found was that in all SCAP reporting states along the southern border and in SCAP reporting interior states that are preferred destinations for illegal aliens, illegal aliens are incarcerated at a much higher rate. Typically, at least three times as likely to be incarcerated than citizens. And remember, it's not that they're being incarcerated because they're here illegally. You might say, well, they're illegal aliens, so they broke that law. So they're no, that that's why they would be in federal custody. States don't do that. I mean, even 287G, that's just you're arrested for drunk driving, you're arrested for assault, then we're gonna find out where what you know what country you're a citizen of, which we really should. Every law, every uh, law enforcement agency should have to do that, um, and then they find out if you're here illegally. But no one initially gets you on that status. So, um, anyway, what they found was just unbelievable, unbelievable. In California, they found that illegal aliens were two hundred thirty-one percent more likely to be incarcerated. 187% more in New York, 440% more in New Jersey, 301% in Arizona, 248% in Washington, 267% more likely in Oregon. Unbelievable. New Jersey. Illegal aliens are 5.5 times more likely to be incarcerated. Folks, I don't think you understand 
how unbelievably amazing that is. First of all, this data is incomplete because not all of them are eligible for SCAP. They had to notify them ahead of time. There's a lot of stipulations. It's not like any illegal alien in their custody, you're eligible for reimbursement. There's only a certain population of them, so it doesn't even cover all of them. That's one thing. Another thing is this, is I say this all the time. When you're comparing the degree of criminality of one group of people to another, so you're comparing what? Illegal aliens to Americans. So how many Americans are deported when they commit crimes? Well, zero. You, you can't deport an American, right? How many illegal aliens are deported? Well, as much as we complain there's not enough, but a heck of a lot of them have been. About 1.8 million criminal alien deportations over the last decade. Now, yes, inevitably, some of them didn't co did come back in, but a lot of them didn't. So there's an unknown number of endless people that they were removed from the criminal universe. Think about this. BJS tells us that over the course of 10 years, those released from jail, from prison, are 75% of them go on to reoffend. By definition, who is ICE targeting? The worst of the worst. Meaning if you're a murderer, you're more likely to de get deported than a you know drunk driver who is more likely to get deported than so a, a legal alien with no criminal record. So it, it, it's, it's an inverse relationship. So we're taking out of the country, removing their ability to ever get into an American prison again because we remove them from the country, the worst elements over the course of a, of a generation. Again, we're, 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 we're taking with two pots of, of uh, people to compare with different variables in a study. You have Americans for whom every one of those criminals, they're going to be out and back in. Whereas here, so many of the worst of the worst are gone. Imagine if the abolish ICE, the libertarian Cato Institute got their wish and we wouldn't have an enforcement that, that they don't like, all those people would be in the country recidivating. So the jail population, the prison population would be much more. That The fact that in a state like New Jersey, based on the prison population, they're 5.5 times more likely to be in, in incarcerated is, is unbelievable given how many of the worst elements are out of the country. And we've removed. Imagine how, ma how many fewer we would have if we actually implemented my policies and removed all criminal aliens. And then again, had the military at the border so they can't come back. So um, there's that. And then also, there's a whole other factor people don't realize closely related. This is a third point. Listen very carefully. You see... A good number of illegal aliens arrested for assault, drugs especially, they never go to prison. A lot of Americans don't either because of jailbreak, but a certain number of them will go for six months, 12 months, not long, but they'll go. With illegal aliens, because we have the broken windows policing of immigration enforcement, if we catch a guy where there's not an individual victim, like a murder victim, yeah, we're gonna wanna convict the guy and send him to prison. Like a lot of other type of crimes, it's not worth it. We don't prosecute them. We just, and, and rightly so, it makes sense. Why load up our jails with them? Just deport them. So that's the thing. You have a mechanism of removal from the country when it comes to criminal aliens that you don't have among Americans. And yet still, the degree of ICE detainers we see, 
that that portend the amount of criminality, the scap data demonstrating the amount of people reimbursed the illegal aliens that are in the prisons is higher than that among Americans. So the next time you hear this crap that they commit less crime, you know exactly where to look. This is garbage. Folks, it doesn't have to be this way. We need to set red lines. Got to run now. Running out of time here. But again, remember, follow us, iTunes, subscribe to iTunes, drop us a five-star rating. It really helps. You just scroll down. You can look at the reviews. You can um, you know, log in to your account and, and uh, give us a, a five-star review because you're not going to hear this elsewhere. Send this show to 50 of your friends, relatives, and neighbors. Follow, follow us at Arm Conservative. Email me your ideas, comments, questions, concerns at dharowitz at blazemedia.com. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.